Welcome, traveler. You have entered the realm of adventure. Prepare yourself for tales from Beyond the Dice. Beyond the Dice is a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast set in a cyberpunk city called New Etika. I am your Dungeon Master Luke, and your players are... Ben, I play Cortain, the level 3 fighter. Jeff, and I play Gage, a level 3 wizard. Peter, I'm playing Spigs, part of a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> part of a dwarf, yeah. No, part of a dwarf. Oh, okay. Alright, then I'm Little Moss, I'm, which is playing a Trav, which is a level 3 monk. Alright. So, this week we're not going to do a uh, privacy on Beyond the Dice immediately. What we'll do is we'll start off with a scene. It is evening. The buildings of Darkhaven look like they're made from black stone and are highlighted in the various colours of neon tube lighting. Rain is falling heavily. We see an apartment building. Most of the shades are closed blocking the light from outside and giving the inhabitants of this apartment building some privacy. Various windows flick and change colour from the light of TV screens and computer screens. Out the front of the apartment, a group of people stand guard. They are defenders, they are soldiers from the Order of the Aegis. Tonight, until they are told otherwise, they have been ordered to watch over and protect the family of an old friend. They stand vigilant for Cortain. They stand vigilant in respect for his family and in memory of his father. His father was one of the greatest warriors the Order had ever seen in their ranks. He was a paladin. The rain is falling down all around them. Their tactical gear beneath their jackets is completely soaked. Coley, one of the warriors, leans against a wall next to the door at the top of the stoop of this apartment that he protects. He flicks his cigarette packet out of his pocket. It's slightly damp. He pulls free a death stick as Beck his sister calls it. He lifts his other hand and it is plastic and steel and he presses in on his index finger. His augmented hand releases a tiny spark at the tip of his thumb. He covers the cigarette and attempts to light it. The advert screen across the road sheds the whole area in a red light as a new speeder ad appears on the screen. I don't know why they even bother advertising down here. As if any of us could actually fucking afford a Bahamut speeder. Coley's partner, Vilden, laughs. <laughs> but then, makes a strange noise. Uh. Coley hears a crack amongst the sounds of the bustling city around him. He turns to Vilden, watching the elf slowly sliding down the stone pillar he was leaning on. Vilden is holding something at the base of his neck. An arrow. Coley watches his partner cough up blood. He turns towards the street. His crew standing guard. 
open fire on something large outlined in the red light, something walking through the darkness. The bullets seem to flash and bounce off this hulking figure, though the shots seem to anger it. It charges. It runs up and grabs one of his fellow Aegis defenders by the neck, and moving forward, the creature pulls free a huge double-sided axe and begins swinging. The axe comes down with a bright blue energy trail on one of the fighters, killing him instantly. Lightning crackling off the body and the wound. The mechanical thing is hit with fire from one of the other fighter's machine guns. It turns, throwing the grabbed soldier at the attacker. They slam together in a heap. The mechanical thing is hit with fire from one of the fighter's pistols. It turns to face the fighter. He then charges them, cutting them both down with his great axe. Coley begins to fire once again, aiming for the thing's half-furry, half-robotic head. The large thing turns towards Coley and laughs in an odd robotic way. It lifts its hand and begins to charge a fiery orb in the center of it. Coley sees this flaming orb pointed his way. He drops his rifle. He grabs a grenade at his belt. He lifts it. Suddenly he feels a sharp pain in his hand and he feels it slam against the wall behind him. He looks up and there is an arrow pinning it to the wall. The grenade, pin unpulled, bounces on the ground. Coley looks out past this huge mechanical thing who is now lowering its hand, the fiery orb flickering away. Coley sees a woman in black wearing a skull mask that has no mouth. She's holding a bow and it is pointed at him. She looses the arrow. She begins to charge towards the building and the eyes of this skull mask glow red. Then everything goes black. The woman stands at the top of the stairs. She pulls the arrow free from the Aegis fighter's head and nods at the hulking cyborg. It walks up the stairs and into the building where more Aegis soldiers wait down the hallway. They open fire on the cyborg. It lifts its arms as it does before, though this time it looses the orb of crackling amber flame and it hits the wall at the end of the hallway, exploding and sending flames leaking out in a blast. This cyborg, this mecha bugbear, charges down the hall, his great axe lifted high, cutting through the roof, plaster falling to the ground like if, if it were nothing. The Dennis family sit on the couch. The TV is off. There is some classic elven music playing on a small radio in the kitchen. Elaine Dennis and her mother wait on the couch. They've been asked by the Aegis not to contact Cortain after seeing him on the TV. As those who are after him, the Edict of Aya, may be able to trace their call. Cortain, what have you gotten yourself into? Elaine says under her breath. Crack! Crack! Boom! They hear the sound of a firefight below. Elaine runs over to the window and attempts to look out on the street. But she is grabbed by Gordon, a half-orc with the Aegis. Ellie, 
You can't go out there. You can't go near the windows. It isn't safe. It's probably best if you guys, if the both of you go back in the room. Elaine, you've got to be smart. Mum, I've been training with Gore. He's been training me to fight. Mrs. Dennis looks towards the young half-orc, glaringly. They hear a scream. A man screaming out in sudden pain down the hallway from their apartment. Mrs. Dennis then moves over to an old wooden cabinet filled with crystal glassware. She opens the doors and reaches in. She pulls free a small lockbox from the cabinet and runs over to her daughter. Your father bought this for me. In, in case... In case bad things ever happen when he was out on the streets. She opens the box and pulls free a small silver pistol and places it in her daughter's hand. More gunshots ring out through the hallway right in front of the door. Elaine plucks the magazine from the box, clicks it in, flicks off the safety and flings back the slide readying her firearm. The door cracks horizontally, blood pools beneath the door and starts to rush in. Then... There is quiet for a few seconds, and all Elaine can hear is her own breathing. The doorway bursts apart as a huge cyborg creature breaks its way through the entrance. Gore lifts his shotgun, though before he can fire, an arrow strikes him and he falls into the kitchen table, sending a pot plant tumbling to the ground. A red beam shoots out of this large cyborg's eye turns into a scanning grid, moving across the entire room. It is only two inhabitants left. A woman in a mouthless skull mask steps over the rubble, her blonde hair tied back. She throws her bow over her shoulder, pulls a dagger free from the place on her chest, walks towards Cortain's mother. Elaine rises from the rubble that flew her way as the cyborg bursted into their apartment. She lifts the pistol and points it at the skull-masked woman. She pulls the trigger. There is a bang and a high-pitched squealing as everyone's eardrums have been blown. The woman in the mask drops low sending a dagger flying through the air, hitting the pistol out of Elaine's hand. The pistol clutters to the floor and slides under a shelf. Just as quick as the masked woman launched her dagger, she pulls free a second one, placing it at Mrs. Dennis' throat, saying, Ah, now you don't want to do anything too heroic. I don't want... She stops, as if she was interrupted by someone. She looks up to the huge cyborg bugbear and says, Mecha bugbear, did you get that message? The huge robotic creature turns to her and says, Affirmative. We do not need them. Shall I destroy them? The masked woman begins to walk out of the apartment saying, No, no Mecha. Let's go. go. They, they aren't worth the effort. We've got better things to do now. The mecha bugbear waits for a few moments, its red cybernetic eye glaring like an evil moon. It turns, walking through the room, and as it steps over the rubble out of the doorway, and the wall it was attached to all crumbled in a pile, the cyborg turns and says, I want you to tell the one named Cortain. 
that we soon will have our chance to commence combat one on one. I will destroy him. Totally, utterly destroyed. So Cortain, you are driving in this streetcar that um, you had taken from the bowling alley. It was owned by the Thrasher gang that you defeated out the front of the bowling alley. You have just pulled up out the front of your family's, um, or, or the, the apartment where your family resides. And you can see that the new Etika Police Department have set up a crime scene perimeter. There are officers everywhere and the flashing blue and red lights bounce off every shiny surface. I park the car quickly, hastily, get out and then rush over to see if there's a way that I can get <clears throat> through the back, like through one of the, maybe the fire escapes, if I can circumvent the, the police. So, as you run around and move around this building, you see that every alleyway, every um, every way into this or out of this building has little holographic barriers that say NEPD Darkhaven across it, and there are officers at every alleyway. As you move up to one, one of the officers says, Hey, move along here, nothing to look at. This half-orc calls out. From my previous life, um, as part of the Aegis, are there was there any was there any connection or was there any kind of communication with the police? Like, would my past have any sway? Um, that would not 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 so much because the Aegis was formed because the police in Darkhaven don't really do enough. A lot of them are corrupt, um, or they only respond to um, large sort of crimes like this big firefights or um you know wealthy businesses that have been attacked or something like that um small crimes um and and crimes against the poorer people that they, they really don't respond to that often so if anything um like there would be times that you'd come in conflict with some police like nothing nothing um violent it's just usually some bad words shared between you as the ages are like you do your fucking job like protect Darkhaven and the the officers are like ah fuck off you know like that sort of thing yeah okay <clears throat> I ask I well not necessarily ask but I try to get information about about whether I was like because oh um my, my mother and sister they were in they were in and I, I, can't, I can't remember the room, like me, Ben, I don't know the room, but I will tell them the room, like, do they find anyone alive? 712, they're in. 712. In 712, was there, <clears throat> was there, uh, my, my mum and my sister, were they there? Are they alive? Yeah, head around back to the front. Um, there's two detectives, if it's, uh, if you prove identification, we can let you in. Um, you're, I'm not gonna say anymore, just head back to the front and speak to the detectives that are on the unit. Okay, I head back to the front and speak to the detectives. Alright, do you want to roll a D... Roll a D100 for me. I want to see if you know one of these detectives. If you've met them before or something. 62. 
All right. Um, you grew. You like. You went to high school with one of them. So, uh, one is a dwarf. One is an elf. Which one would you you rather uh, have known in high school? Uh, the dwarf. The dwarf. Cool. Detective Jürgen. So I call out to him. Jürgen. What's happened here? Where's uh, my Where's my mom and my sister? Uh, Cortain, I saw your face on those videos. You get in here, your your sister and your mum are alright. But you've got some explaining to do. I don't think I have to explain anything. You see this dwarf, short cut black hair that's greying at the temples. His beard reaches down to the badge at his belt. He's wearing a black duster, dark clothes beneath it, and he's got sort of a reading glasses on his face. He says, I'm guessing it's the, uh, the merc work that you've been doing, huh? And the elf walks up, Detective Silistrin. He's slender, he's got blonde hair that's been shaved down um, practically to like a number one. He's wearing dark purple pants and a white shirt tucked in with... Uh, suspenders and a black tie with a silver tie clip that has some sort of like elven cursive script on there and um, the elf says ah, Mr. Dennis I think you better come upstairs your your sister and your mother are fine but they I believe they might want your your company at this time they're they're very lucky to be alive Jürgen yeah, they sure are lucky with police like you. Jürgen, like, sighs. <sighs> Cortain, uh, listen. 23 Aegis fighters are dead. One badly injured, but he's being stabilized as we speak upstairs. And we're super lucky that there have been no bystanders killed in this assault. What's going on? Why did this, uh... Why did the edicts call you out and place your face all over the fucking city, man? Come on, man. You say like the Aegis, you know, that they're, they're the that they're the the criminals here. We just do what we have to do because you won't. It's a little more complicated than that, but I see where you're coming from, man. Let's let's cool it with the politics. Let's go upstairs. You can see your mother. And take statements from them, and we can see where this will go. How about that? Okay. Right, we'll see what happens afterwards. <clears throat> yep. Just, uh... You just stay within the, the confines of the law and you'll be alright. If I stayed within the confines of the law, I'd be dead right now. As would we all, my friend. As would we all. So you continue through this crime scene where you see, um bodies all over the place with silver sort of blankets over them and blood all about the place you see an old friend of yours coley at the top of the stairs he has um a, a cut through his hand blood running down the wall an arrow stuck in the stonework or the brickwork i should say of this building and a hole in the center of his forehead you continue through the hallway as you see other members of the Aegis that have been burnt, cut in half, 
a few arrows and some of them you continue up up the stairs all the way to the seventh floor where your uh, your family resides that's where their apartment is you continue down to room 12 and along the way there are more bodies bullet holes in the wall slashes people laying about the place soldiers laying about the place the door is completely broken open and so is a lot of the wall surrounding the door rubble all over the floor your um your mother sits on the couch with elaine your sister and you see in the kitchen there are some paramedics that are attending to um like a half a young half orc man there are some police officers in their room as well sort of just like keeping guard watching over them looking out the windows that sort of thing yeah Cortain! Your mother, like, gets up and runs towards you. She slams into you, wrapping her arms around you. It was horrible. It's okay now. It's absolutely horrible, Cortain. So you look over at your sister. She's, um, sitting on the couch, looking at her hand. She's got, like, a small cut on it. She's sort of, like, staring. She looks up at you. And she, like, sighs in relief, seeing that you're here. At least it wasn't a sigh of boredom. Um, I rush... <sighs> yeah, like that. I rush over to her <laughs> and grab her hand and look at the, uh, the small cut. And I ask, uh, you all right? Yeah, you okay? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I just... Cortain, I had... I, f- I froze. I froze up. I, I had a gun trained on her. Right on her... Right on her head. And I froze because I'd, I'd never, sh- I'd never shot anyone before. I wrap my arms around around her and, and pull her close and say, "It's okay. It's okay. You don't need to do the killing. That's, that's what I'm for." Okay, where are you then? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just watching the scene. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Little Moss holding Spigs up from one side, like from one up. Gage on the other side, sort of pulling him. A lot of blood has been pouring out of his arm. One of you have wrapped like um, like a piece of your clothing. Who is it? You've wrapped Spigs' arm. Get- Gage is using his jacket. All right, so your uh, your jacket is wrapped around Spigs' arm. It's 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 getting covered in blood once again. This jacket. You move up and you're being forced through the hor- the sorry, through the stairways, up the stairways, through the corridors, inside and beneath this hotel vice. You are motioned and forced out into an alleyway, probably the back side of this hotel. Lots of vans and um, cars and stuff like that. A whole bunch of sort of thugs and goons hanging out, smoking, with and they've got guns and you know submachine guns, and shotguns. That, pistols that sort of thing they're having a having a laugh having a laugh and uh, mucking around and stuff like that when they see you come out they sort of like get a little more serious you guys are escorted out onto the street Brax the half orc with the eye patch the beard the slick backed hair says like he said 
You've got 12 hours. Don't fuck around. And he continues back into the alleyway towards the the back entrance of Vice. What do y'all do? Mom! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, first first we need to get get you back to the van. Alright, so you guys <sighs> move around to the front of the building where Spiggs' truck is. Um, it's a bit odd because of his condition at the moment. He may not really be able to drive. What are, what are you guys... Uh, we're gonna have to, have, have to drive. Is, there's not enough. How did we get here? Was there enough room in the in the truck for all three of us inside? No. Nope. Remember, um, little Moss was riding on the back of it. Okay. Yeah. Um. What's so spigs out? He's broken now. <laughs> did you say throw him out? Well, yeah, just like on the on the back, like not out of the car completely. We're not a monster. <laughs> sure, like, he, he's he, just he, gonna bounce around the back there. Can we bolt him onto the wall inside? Just mount him on the front like a deer. Yeah, <laughs> just jab his foot into the side of the tray or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's just flying around while his blood spurting yeah, out. Yeah, he's losing the... a lot of blood. If you guys don't decide soon, he is probably gonna pass out and be like limp. Oh, okay. That way, he'll his be wife's quiet. used to that. Can, can I use um? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just looking. No, I can't use mending. But can I use more um, kids shocking? Than, more kids I... than a lot of you. You don't know that. Yeah, you don't know they're yours. He, he knows them. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Trap! How could you say that? I, I didn't say shit. Don't don't it. put that on me. <laughs> I have checked the recording. <laughs> All right. Spoilers. Gage, Gage lifts, Gage lifts um, Spigs into the into the truck, into the passenger side, and he says, "Look, I don't know if we, I don't know if we're gonna get to the hospital in time, uh, but I can do something that might cauterize the wound, but it's gonna hurt." Just, just do it. Now we should totally do it. All right, so I'm going to use um, shocking grasp. Oh. So, Cool. All right. So usually Gage uses this to try and knock people out. So um, he, yeah. he he lifts up his hand and lightning starts to spring spring from his hand to deliver a shock, but he yeah. pulls on it even harder, and um, it just starts to short out. And tr- he's using he's going to use it to try and melt um, the skin to close the oh. wound. Oh. Oh. All right, oh. you you only use this on dates. <laughs> Alright, let's um I don't go on dates. <laughs> <laughs> let's you know what I might get you to do is I might get you to roll a medicine. Right? We're way beyond medicine yep. here. Just to like maybe I don't know, re- let's say remove some of the the damage you might do to Spigs. Um by by shocking him like this. Like you you do it in such a way that it doesn't knock him out. Yep. Ten. All right. You 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 some of you know <laughs> you know where to do it. Um, you basically like tie off his arm as well, so it stops bleeding. Um, and you hold your hand a certain distance away, and you like slowly shock the um the arm with this electricity to cauterize it. 
But it is um it is it is quarterized. Um, it's it probably needs a like a bit of a clean out as well with with alcohol because you don't know how clean that knife was. Like he probably still does need to see, um, you know, be attended to with a biomedic or something like that. Um, but yeah, okay. Speaks is in the 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 side. He's in the passenger seat. Um, Gage jumps in the driver's seat. Um, little Moss, you're just gonna have to. Hang on the back like you did when we got here. Oh, yeah. Actually, where are we going? Should we go back? <laughs> do you know the way? I do know <laughs> the way. <laughs> should we try and catch up? Should we try and catch up all together? Or should we should we take take this guy to the hospital? I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Like, I'm really glad you asked. I think it's time we just got out of here. Like, Let's just go somewhere where no one knows our names. Let's just push him out of the side and just drive to Mexico. The equivalent of Macedonia. Like, wait, wait, what country are we? Let's, let's go, go south of the border, man. I I completely completely. How do you think I got here? Wait, this, you've already gone south of the border. This is south yes. of the border. Yeah. Oh man, what did you do? Wait, no, I want not a full for- backstory. I don't care about the fact that he's bleeding now. Let's do this. <laughs> Look, it's not for right now. What we need right now is uh, we need to don't decide. Defer. <laughs> you can't throw me that kernel in and just say, don't eat it. Not it's going to be bad. sitting there on the table, a tasty morsel. Look, we got to go. Should we go? We'll go back to base. All right, let's go back to base. Or, right. should, we try and, or should we try and help Cortain? No, just go back to base. All right, we'll go back to base. You can probably yeah. still call him if you call Coltane if you want. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive. It's peak hour. Fuck that. It's basically free to communicate with people in this city. You heard me. So as as we start to drive, um, Gage is going to call Coltane. Cool. So you ah. he- you're headed back to the um, um, yeah, you headed back to the Crooked Candle and. You call Cortain. Cortain, you're sitting in the um in your in your uh, family's living room. Your mum's just sort of made everyone tea or coffee or whatever. Um, uh, the detectives have been talking to them and getting statements down and all that sort of thing. You've been listening as well. Have I checked? I checked the freezer first. The freezer. Yeah. See if there's an Uber bot. Um. There. It's called callback, Trav. Shut up. There is some. There is a, a a swirl a swirl cone. It's like a cheap oh. knockoff of a cornetto. Oh. Yeah, that's all. No, no one's touched hey, it. Nobody Usually got time for your cheap really knockoff. Okay, you know the chocolate embedded in the tips. No good. It's old, crusty chalk. Yeah, so you're in there. You you're looking through the ice cream. Looking through the freezer, sorry, for some ice cream. Your communicator calls its gauge. Do you answer? I do. Beep. All right, go. Do your conversation, boys. Quatain. Yeah, what? I heard you're in trouble. Uh, thankfully, my my family's safe, but we need to deal with this edict. Yeah, we've kind of had our own trouble with them as well. Meet us at the Crook Candle and we'll fill you in. I'll be there when I can. I said we should leave you. <laughs> That's me, like, Look. whispering. From- 
Look, Katim, we don't have much time. We have 12 hours, otherwise... Look, I'll get there when I can. And then I hang up. That's not what I said. All right. Shut up! Gage, <laughs> you arrive at the um, the Crooked Candle. You park in the garage, sort of uh, around the corner. You carry Spigs inside. Um, Aki, the little goblin, he opens the door. The bars, uh, the, the bar had been... Um, like, it's, it's pretty late in the night now. Everyone sort of left. He was cleaning up. Budge, the uh, the dwarf who owns the place, isn't there. Aki's like, oh, shit. Oh, no, no. Oh, man. What happened to him? Bring him here. Put him on the table. Um, oh, I've got a big med Get- kit over here. And he runs behind the counter and pulls out this fucking huge, like, white med kit. It's like, get your strongest, it. cheapest booze. He then runs back over and he um, grabs out Budge's like own like moonshine that he made. He used to make in the basement that you guys now reside in, and he's like, "Spigs, are you still awake?" Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Spigs, open your mouth. Take a big swig of this, and he like takes the cork out of this bottle, places it up to your mouth, and tips it. You just got roofied, bro. Can you make a constitution saving throw, sir? Can I indeed? Is there any music at this bar? Nah, there's no music on at the moment. There is a... um. Go turn on the jukebox. Yeah, there's a jukebox over in the corner. I go and turn it on. Alright. There... Wait, 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 wait. What do you pick? Like, what horses. type of music? <laughs> horses. Goodbye, horses. horses. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, Spigs, what'd you get? I rolled a natural one. Ooh. Oh, my God. Dude, you, you, oh for some reason, <laughs> every time in the past that Budge had given you his home, re- his home remedy moonshine, it fucks <laughs> you up, bro. It, like, you just get drunk so quick. So you're there and you're like, like, sort of, like after a few moments, you're just really drunk because he, Aki lifted the bottle quite a lot and you took a good couple gulps. He then, as he sees you like start to get tipsy and, and drunk, he then takes off Gage's um, jacket from your arm. He pours alcohol all over it. It stings like crazy. You like yelp out in pain. Oh. He gets a swab and he starts to like dig out any like bits of flesh and stuff that's caught in the, you know, that's sort of hanging off or anything like that. And cleans the wound, wound up a little bit with some scissors, cutting off some little bits and pieces that are sort of hanging off this this wound. He then um, he then washes it. Uh, he sterilizes it again. He um, sprays this this stuff on it that is supposed to help wounds heal um, quickly, and he wraps it in a bandage. Phew! Oh man, man, that was that was I did I did good. I did pretty good, guys. Getting to be honest with that, I did pretty good. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to do that, Aki. Yeah, I've well done, done I've done it quite a bit. You know, like. Being a goblin in this in Darkhaven, like people sort of like hate you, and they and they, 
you know, they, there's a lot of attacks. I still hate there. you. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, but your your limbs your limbs grow back, right? Uh. Goblins? Oh, they don't. They don't. No. Okay. Man, what were you thinking of? Like a slime monster or something? I don't know, but there's some uh, some angry goblins out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Wait, I was thinking of Namek's. What's, what's the implication? You. He cut some goblin's arms off, thinking they'd grow back. He's <laughs> like staring at you with wide eyes, and he's like, look, sort of looks down at his hands, and he's like, uh, Mr. Gage, nah, I need my arms and hands, you know, like to help you guys out with no, I'm not, healing I'm not gonna, you and I'm not, passing I'm not gonna your cut beers. Your not gonna cut your arms. It's fine. It's fine. Not oh. you. You're good. We're good. Good. I'm not gonna Thank do it again. Oh. Not again. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be real honest, guys. I kind of peed a little just then. Oh gosh. I'm gonna go and clean myself up. And he sort of walks off. Oh, you made him commit defecation in the pants. <laughs> uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, pants. Aki. Where sorry, else would sorry. you defecate? The toilet. That's true. Yeah, toilet. Yeah, but you like, might not be wearing bucket, pants at the time. Plastic oh. bag, someone's car. Oh yeah, bucket. Oh, oh gosh, can you imagine a drawer? He said handbag, and you say bucket's the worst thing. A drawer. <laughs> yeah, like a sock drawer. <laughs> yeah, someone's drawer. All right. So, um, Cortain, when you're with your family, you you see that they're all safe, and um, Sisk rocks up. He tells you that he's going to take your family to a, um, like a, like one of the sort of bunkers that they have all set up for people. Um, and you know, they're going to be safe there. He tells them to gather some personal items and stuff just in case it might be, um, a little while before they come home. I tell Sisk, tell me as soon as you have any intel on, on where their base is. I'll deal. I'll deal with this. Uh, Gordine, I um, I know where their, I know where their uh, the base of operations is, and I've heard that your friends were just there, and they left in a hurry. One of our scouts saw them leave. I think um, I don't think you want to go charging in there. It's um. It's a casino. They... It seems like they own... Almost all of the gangs that we used to have to deal with. But now they're all under one roof, Cortain. So I did all this hacking. <laughs> and, and... Cool. The, <laughs> the glory of exposition. <laughs> yeah. I... Ask what are the just going to do about it. Well, Cortain, tonight we... We lost, uh, we lost 23 men. Hopefully, if Gordon here survives, then we don't have to make it 24. This is, uh, this is not the only attack that happened tonight. So far, the Aegis have lost 47 members. They, they don't want us around, Cortain. He sort of turns and like, sort of like, puts his arm around you to, and sort of like to try and block this conversation from the the police. Yeah. 
We called the police while uh, both attacks were happening. Your detective friend here rocked up immediately, but his officer didn't get here in time. I fear that he may be the only one we can trust. I'm not too sure, though. His, his elf partner? I've never met the guy. I've seen him around before, but I've never had a conversation, so I can't... I can't say if he's a good character or if he's one of these... these piece-of-shit pigs that... that take bribes. But what we're gonna do, if we can, is we're gonna... we're gonna pull out from most of our locations to a central location, just so that our people do not get picked off. And then, if we... if we can... We're going to start to hit them where it hurts. But that's all I can say for now, because we don't know who's listening. And he sort of looks over his shoulder at the officers. Look, I know I'm I'm not part of the Aegis anymore. But I'm with you. Are you a part of the Aegis? I try to quiet the voice in my head. Oh. That doesn't know things. I was, I was hoping you were going to say that, Cortain. And what I, what I was hoping is, do you think your, uh, your friends, the, uh, any Merc friends that you <coughs> might have, would be able to join us in this fight against the Edict? Look, some of them might do it because it's the right thing to do. Others might do it because they'll get paid, but people. You know, that's, well... If we can take them out, if we can take the edict out, they can have whatever they get their hands on. Yeah, I'll I'll organize that side. You just get my my mom and sister's safety and protect protect the order. Cool. He pops his his collar of his jacket. He points to some of his men that have come with him, and they um, grab you know things that your your sister and your mother have been accumulating. You know, personal items and clothes suitcases, bags, whatever, all that sort of stuff. And they carry them out. And you go downstairs with them all. They put it into like a pretty hem- heavily armored um, truck. It used to be like a, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, you know, those those security trucks that they put m- monies in? Like when they collect it from s- shops and banks and shit? Yeah, like an armor like car. An armored vehicle. Yeah, like, a, like an armor car. Yeah, yeah. They, they, um, your, your family gets in there with all their gear and, um, sis gets in the passenger seat. Um, one of the other guys gets in the driver's seat and they, um, as they're taking off, as you're closing the doors up of the, the armor car, your sister says, Cortina, um, I've been training with Gordon. He's my friend from school. Um, he's in the Aegis now. Uh, he was teaching me how to sh- shoot and stuff. Uh, I, I don't want you to be mad, but I, this this city is just so dangerous. And, you know, you're always working and dad's not around anymore. And I thought I could do some good and protect mom if I need to. So I'm going to I'm gonna keep training. I'm going to get the, or- the Aegis to, to help me learn how to shoot and fight. Um, I, I, I just want to tell you that. Uh, Cortain looks looks away for a moment his eyes beginning to water and I turn back and say sis 
Look, I never wanted you to have to pick up a weapon and defend yourself. But seems that I can't protect you from what's out there. So you keep you keep practicing. But just keep your head down if you need to. And let others die first. You close up the door of the truck, this armor car, as it starts to drive away. You check your pistol, your shotgun, your bastard sword on your back. And with anger in your heart and rage on your face, you turn towards the car that you that you came in, that you drove to the apartment building. You get in. You place your foot to the ground. The tires spin up. Smoke churning from the back of the tires. You speed off down the road. And that's where we'll leave it for this episode. in this episode. Or did he? I can't remember. I tried to block it out. <laughs> I'm Crux, the interdimensional demon bard, and I'll be seeing you soon, traveler. My friends, my listeners, my brothers, my sisters, my uncles, my grandmas, my budgies, my parrots, my crabs, my... my, um my pillows thank you for downloading and thank you for listening i'm a bit uh creeped out <laughs> yeah if you, I didn't, I didn't if you, you crabs loot. it's like is that um is that code word for aroused like, <laughs> Ooh, I need a i'm creeped out yeah he's doing the creep i just it, pictured i just pictured you peter like hiding on the other side of the room and then i go oh wait 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 i have to come back, <laughs> come back. scamper away from the microphone it, like no yeah. If you too feel like you've been violated by this new voice, you should jump on the internet and go to www.beyondthedice.com and launch a formal complaint so we can get Luke back into this podcast instead of this random stranger. Hi, my name is my name is Wongowitz, and I'll be around to talk about all the little animals and friends and acquaintances I have. Oh. Again, our Instagram is still pretty <laughs> fun. We take D and D, RPG, and inappropriate no, and nerd and geek pictures. Ooh. Check them out at Beyond the Dice. Oh, yes. We also have a Facebook page uh, where you can find out more about upcoming episodes and competitions. Uh, facebookcom slash pod. Yes. And oh, there you go. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> And Um, and if you have some time, jump on iTunes and give us a review so that we can really get rid of this creepy voice and get Luke back. Um, Please be (laughs) But yeah, jump on, give us a review, and that'll help um, expand our listeners and get the podcast to more people. Yeah, awesome, guys. I'm I'm back. I I don't know. I just went to the toilet really quick. Um, I brought back another cider. Some really short weird guy was in the room i don't know what that's about but anyway um (laughs) (laughs) i don't know he's talking into the mic mic. yeah so um (laughs) just another one um on 
8th. June? No, shit. June the, June the 1st? Yeah, June the 1st, I will go through iTunes, and if we have 10 reviews, 10 new reviews from, from this year, roll some dice, I'll randomly select one of the people who gave us a review, I'll get in contact with you somehow, and I will send you a dice set through the mail, like a cool dice set, I'll go and I'll choose one, I'll, I'll purchase it. Uh, from some cool place, a nice, nice dice set for you to play with um, in your Dungeons and Dragons game or other RPG game, and um, that's like a little competition we're running. So if you want to be a part of the competition, go on iTunes and give us a review, and I will, um, I'll hopefully pick you in two months' time. Can can I join this competition? No, you cannot. I know you have only two dice left. It's a, a D twenty and a D six, and that's what you've got less than now. But too bad. All right. So, uh, in saying that, good night, my dear friends. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. It was horrible. It's okay now. It's absolutely horrible, Cortain. Elaine sort of... It's like your last Tinder date. What? It's like the last feedback from your Tinder date. (laughs) (laughs) Man, this emotional scene. Your crass (laughs) crass humour is... That's alright. Oh. Yeah, get it Luke. right, man. He has grinder, not Tinder. Yeah, man. Yeah. Luke will cut me out. <laughs> <laughs> Question on that one, though. Did he just say to your sister that if they were attacked, to use his mum as a shield? That's what I got from that conversation. <laughs> Yo, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that when I said it. I'm like, what if she puts that into effect and my mum dies? Die, edict! And then she pushes <laughs> mum in front of her. <laughs> and she's like firing like, yeah, from the side. shooting. Pushes <laughs> cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Mm.